my pleasure this morning to welcome you to our first instalment in our brand new series, Tune In. Today is our um, first session on managing stress. Is there anyone in this room who has no idea what stress is? Just one person, good. <laughs> I'll call on her to give the sermon in just a moment. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to beautiful Kelly. Kelly, how long have you been coming to Nary Warren Baptist Church? I've been here well over a year now. Yes. Um, and I have, it's changed my world. So thank you, everybody. Gorgeous. So Kelly is um, going to share her story with us. And so, Kel, why don't you actually uh, tell this beautiful church family about the stress that's been going on in your world recently? Well, I'm a really positive person and always a person that thinks they can fix everything and I love people and I love life. Um, but life doesn't always go the way you want it to go and uh, quite a few years back now, after being married for a very long time, uh, things started to change in my marriage and long story short, uh, my beautiful boys and I found ourselves in a very uh, scary domestic violence situation. Um, being a person that thinks they can fix everything um, and really positive, I went out of my way and I looked after my boys and I thought I could fix him and unfortunately he was um, suffering a mental illness and it was undiagnosed and things got worse and worse and worse. I still plugged away and we fought for really hard to fix him and make things better for about three years. Um, you can imagine the stress of that. Um, I work in... Uh, education and welfare and I work at, with lots of trauma children and beautiful families and I'd go to work every day and I'd fix the families and I'd lecture on healthy families and I'd come home to an environment that was just frightening most of the time. We never knew what it was going to be like. I did that for as long as I could until I realised um, that things needed to change and unfortunately I needed to remove us from that marriage and that was a really big decision for me. I'd always believed in the unity of marriage, I still do, um, but we were just really unsafe and my children are my number one priority and it, it just was not good. So you can imagine the stress then of having to find a home, um, try to be able to afford life, uh, set us up again. Uh, I, I stressed about was it the right thing to do? Where was I going to live? How was I going to, to pay for private school education? Everything. Um, I was very blessed that I've got a really amazing job um, and great support there. So we did all that, uh, but I had to do that really in secret because you can imagine if you're living with a person who's very controlling um, and scary, they're not going to take very kindly to you making that decision. Anyway, so we did that and we very blessed to land in a gorgeous house in the, our community, got a very strong community um, and we were going well for about a year um, and unfortunately although we had stresses and it was up and down and all of us, so I have two children, two boys, one is 18 and one is 14 and they are awesome boys and we were going okay and, and getting the treatment we needed for um, what we'd been through. But unfortunately, just over a year ago, my youngest child, who is now 14, developed PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, that came as a direct result of what he had seen over a long duration of time in our household. 
I cannot tell you as a parent and as a mum what that does to you to have your child going through that and flashing back to traumatic events and you know I, I would be walking out the door to work trying to keep a roof over our heads and he would be in absolute trauma in panic in anxiety so he he's become he's not been to school for over a year now and uh, he's an incredibly strong child um, and we're doing great but the stress of that you know on our very worst days uh, while trying to work and manage staff and teach children and lecture some of our worst days I'd be receiving up to 50 50 texts from him saying mum please help me I can't do this I can't I can't breathe I can't you know so trying to find specialists and doctors and psychologists to help us was oh, heartbreaking and mind-blowing at the same time yeah. Um, yeah thank you for sharing that Kelly it's raw it's real and we're so grateful that you're being so open and sharing your heart with us um, what have been the effects of that stress in your world, Kel? Well, you can imagine, um, you know, coming from that long-term environment, all of us have suffered quite, quite greatly with self-worth. Um, I felt incredible shame and guilt that I'd put my children uh, in that situation and then had to remove them from that. Um, Long-term, you just, your world swirls, you know, you, you just, you're in disbelief that it, the stress that is happening to you. Uh, we create, we are... Uh, we have fantastic game faces, the three of us. We would leave that household in the morning and plaster our smiles on and have, you know, fantastic days. There are, our close group know that about us, but there's a wider community that would have no idea. Um, stress on my body particularly, it's incredible. It sneaks up on you and, you know, for me it could be body pain, it could be a foggy brain, it could be um, just... I often became quite withdrawn from, from the group I was in. I'm very good at being present in a situation, but perhaps even being able to, I feel disjointed from that group of people. Often I've worked very hard to, to be present again in a, in a place. Um, stress makes you exhausted, and my long-term exhaustion was, was very real, but I only had to look into my children's eyes to know I will beat this and we will um, prevail. Um, but long-term stress can do lots physically to your body, emotionally I would find myself, the more stressed I got, I would get busier and busier and busier. Um, I'm massive into putting back into people's lives and uh, the best way to relieve stress is to help someone else, I have to say. Um, and I still do that every single day. Um, but I would find I would get busy to the point where I would then crash and get sick. Quite profound that you even say that, Kelly, because when you're in those circumstances, the last thing sometimes you want to do is to input into someone else's life. But you're an you amazing. You taught me mum. that, Susie. <laughs> Did not. You're an amazing woman. But um, just finally, Kelly, can you tell us how have you gone about managing this very big and overwhelming situation that you're in? Well, you know, I've I still manage day to day, um, and I have very, very much learnt to go day to day. Stress builds up and builds up and builds up. And if you try to, and the minute I try to go, oh, what about next week and trying to pay for this and try to cope with that and I'm a single mum and is that enough? Can I teach them enough in their world? You just, it snowballs. So I'm incredibly blessed that I have my parents that are here today and they are really strong Christians and, and they're incredible. And they've been their num my number one, our number one supporters in our lives. 
but that in, in itself was a stress because I'm incredibly proud and I want to do everything myself and fix everything. And so to have to be honest with them and say, yeah, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, it was really hard. Um, we, we've got a beautiful bunch of friends that helped move us out of our home and are still in our lives every single day. And um, for me to communicate with them and just be honest and say, I'm actually, I am stressed and that that's okay. Um, this church, I was honestly led to this church and it's been an incredible journey for me. Um, and again, I, giving back. If, if I never feel as good as if I'm at work and I've made a difference to a family or I've relieved some trauma from a, a family that, that, that need help or that I've touched someone in that way. That helps me a lot. But I can be honest and say to you, despite the incredible support I've had, um, at the end of the day, people go home to their own homes and that's okay, so they should. And it was those nights that I was by myself and I was so lonely and I was so overwhelmed about how I was going to bring these boys up as emotionally intelligent men that could actually trust more than I could trust because you can imagine by now I trusted nobody, uh, that I called out to God and I said, I can't, I can't do this, I, I, I can't, I, I give up, I'm, I'm done. And it was then when I so clearly heard God say, pick yourself up, you need to trust someone and it has to be me first. And that's when I realised I was worth it. And I have rekindled my beautiful love affair with Jesus. And I'm stronger than ever. And I'm not telling you that it's easy. I have battles every single day. But I have a hope I've never helped, had before. Um, and I go day to day. Amen. And life is good. <laughs> You're amazing. Take it with you. Thank you. Someone will grab it. Thank you, Kel. That takes courage. And it takes a heart outside of yourself to share something like that because it's vulnerable and it's real and we honour you. And we honour you, her mum and dad. And you, Mr Cody, Mr 14-year-old, thank you for letting mum share that. You know what, darling? You have an inner strength that you don't even know about and God's going to use you so, so powerfully. Can we give Jesus a clap because he's going to do that in Cody's life? So, I don't need to define stress, do I? We all know what stress is. We know what it looks like. We all know what it feels like. I'm not sure what it is for you at the moment as you sit here and as you listen and as you prepare yourself for the next half hour or so. <clears throat> I don't know whether for you it's on the relational front, much like Kelly and her family, or whether it's on the health front, whether that's physical mental, emotional, whatever that might be, whether it's on the finance front, whether it's on the self-worth front, whether it's on, I don't know what it sits, where it sits for you. Maybe it sits in the space of you just want to kick yourself for a decision you made sometime all the way back then that's still haunting you today. Maybe it sits in, the, in the, that claustrophobic feeling where you think, my goodness, if I could just like turn back time or if I could just like get myself out of this and it feels like the world's caving in because you're stuck in this space. But whatever it is for you, we all know what stress is. And what I unpack today by the grace of God can be applied to any scenario and I said to one of my beautiful friends who walked in here this morning, I said, I've put this message through the filter of basic everyday stress 
and the filter of insane, overwhelming stress. And I believe through God's power and grace today that it's going to land for everyone. And so, we know what stress is and we know what the impact of stress is as well, don't we? We know that it cripples us. We know that it demotivates us. We know that it makes it harder to get out of bed. We know that it creates anxiety. We know that it can sit on your chest like an elephant. We know that it can prevent you from wanting to get on with your day. We know that it it suppresses your creative juices and you don't feel like embracing new opportunities, doing new things, thinking differently. We know that it affects relationships. We know that it affects our relationship with God as well because sometimes stress can land us in these corners Well, we have these conversations with God that go, well, don't you care? Well, what about me? Well, I don't really believe what the Bible says because you know what? I'm so stressed and you're not helping me. And we know that stress affects every space of our world. And that's why in church today, we want to address this issue because it's bigger than a self-help program. It's bigger than a, hey, get on with it and be strong and put on your best poker face. And get on with life. It's bigger than that. Because we were not created to live our lives in stress. That is not how God created us to be. And you know what? It's not unusual that we experience so much stress in our modern world. Our modern world's just insane. I remember growing up, if you didn't want to communicate with people, you just basically flick your landline receiver off the hook and then everyone would try and call you and you'd go, oh, so sorry, must have been off the hook and they'd just be ringing this engaged line for like, you know, five hours of the day. Whereas in these days that we're living today, well, Susie, how come I didn't get a message back from you? I saw that you are on Messenger three minutes ago. <laughs> how can we not be stressed out with the stimuli that is in our face? every moment and every second of the day. How can we not? And so we have got to manage this area of our life, which is why we are running this series, because it's relevant for us and it is highly spiritual, not just practical, if I may say. It's called managing stress, not boycotting stress, because there is no such thing as boycotting stress from our life. In fact, a healthy dose of stress in our life is important and necessary because it gives us the adrenaline to get out of bed each day. But we're talking about managing stress, what to do when we are stressed and where we can avoid it, but not boycotting it because there is no such thing. Are we clear on that? I'm just going to pop up this um, quote that um, I read in a book. Dr. Um, Hart is a um, a, a Christian doctor and uh, and stress expert. and, uh, And he writes this quote and it's quite profound. He says, we are entering into an extraordinary new age of medicine and health sciences. On the one hand, we're making remarkable progress in curing illnesses and prolonging life. But on the other hand, we are losing the battle against a very simple but elusive problem, stress. The time is rapidly approaching, if it hasn't already, where we will be dying less and less from infectious and invasive diseases, but more often from the ravaging effects of too much stress. Profound, right? And so today, I'm running what I'd like to call a seminar, <laughs> a cross between a sermon and a seminar. And uh, so here we go. I want to um, start off by um, uh, just working our way through a verse in the book of Corinthians written by the Apostle Paul. And um, it's 
a familiar verse. Many of you will know it. Many of you will have heard it before. And it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition or supplication, as some um, translations say, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, before we unpack this verse, I feel it is incredibly important to actually understand who writes this and where he was and what he'd been through before he wrote this. And so this verse is written by Paul. And he writes this verse whilst he's actually inside a prison cell waiting for potential execution. Did you get that? He's in a prison cell waiting for potential execution. Not only that, but this guy, Paul, was very, very familiar with stress and anxiety and all sorts of things. Leading up to this point, he'd been imprisoned before. This wasn't his first time. He'd been hounded by fellow Christians. He had experienced lots of hardship. He'd experienced lots of unusual things, such as a shipwreck, a snake bite, but more so he had incredible relational tension. And at this point, he's sitting in a prison cell and he's not really sure whether he's actually going to make it out alive. That is the context. And so you know when you meet people and they tell you about some really traumatic something that happened in their world and it was like five years ago and they're telling you and they're, they're explaining their scenario and you sort of go, well, how did you feel back then? How did you actually cope with that? And they go, oh, you know, some days were hard, but mostly I was fine. Now, you know what? The peace of God was over me the whole time. And, you know, oh, maybe I had a meltdown or two in, the, in, in the, that five-year period that I was experiencing this. But, you know, I was generally well. And suddenly you think, well, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not generally well when I go through insane hardship like that. And so maybe that's the icon and the epitome. But I reckon what often happens is when we actually exit hardships and traumas that we're in and we're reflecting on what happened all the way back then, it just somehow feels a whole lot easier, right? Doesn't it? And we can candy coat it a little bit more and, yeah, we, we remember that it was hard, but, but we don't remember that it was excruciating. We remember that some days were difficult, but we don't remember that we couldn't get out from underneath the doona for three days running. Because time has a way of taking the edge off things. But this guy, he's in the midst of it. He is sitting inside a prison cell. Yeah? He hasn't forgotten because he's in the midst of it. And this is his advice. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Really? Are you delusional, Paul? No, it's possible. It's a thing. Be anxious for nothing. And the next slide actually tells us that in order to be anxious for nothing, it gives us a bit of a formula. And it says this, be stressed or anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by prayer, by prayer. And there's a formula here that I'm going to unpack in just a moment. But the first part of the formula is by prayer. How can I be anxious for nothing? By prayer. What does that even mean? Prayer, the word in and of itself, means the actual worship of God. Yeah. We haven't gotten to, he says petition and supplication later in the, in the, in the sentence. But the first thing is prayer. And that means 
that if you and I are going to be anxious for nothing, the only way that we can do that is to get into the presence of God and start with prayer. Not prayer where we just rattle off everything we want God to do, but prayer where we go, who are you? And we recognize who God is. That is the definition of prayer. It is to get into that space with God and start off by going, you are big. You are the God who created the universe. You are so big. You are so capable. Nothing happens outside of your control and your permission and you are over my situation and you love me so much that you sent your son to die for me. You can do anything. You can move mountains. You actually can control people's hearts and intentions and motivations. In fact, you can get people out of my way. You parted the Red Sea. It is getting an understanding of who God is. It is beginning by worshipping him, prayer. The only way that we can be anxious for nothing is if we come to a place where we realise that it's someone else's problem and that's God. And he's got it and he can handle it and he's big enough and he cares. Because you see, I bet you don't stay up worrying about my problems overnight. I know that some of you are gorgeous and faithful and you pray for us. But I would dare say you don't lose sleep over us for weeks on end. Because my problems are my problems, they're not yours. And so you can let them go. And in the same way, the only way that we can let go of our problems is if we realise and come to some sort of understanding through prayer and worship and understanding how big God is, that actually they're his problems. And I don't need to own them and worry about them. That is the first thing. Secondly, the next part of the verse says this, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, what does this even mean? And I want to tell you something before I go any further. What I'm going to unpack over the next few minutes, you are, unless you have a photographic memory, you are very unlikely to remember. So I would suggest to take notes or take shots of the screen. It's not to float my boat or boost my ego. It doesn't matter with me. But if you want to remember what's up there, the only way to do it is to take screenshots or notes because it's layered. It's a sermon art. I'm not leaving you with one positive catch cry at the end of this. I'm leaving you with a number of different points. They'll be hard to remember. We need to then, after we pray, petition. What does petition mean? Let me put it simply. Let's just say... We want the local city council to actually seal the road outside. And we take up this petition and all the neighbours put their um, signatures on on this petition and we take it to the council. Is it a petition if that piece of paper just says, improve our neighbourhood? They'd be like, who wrote this? (laughs) Like, what part of the neighbourhood? What are they even talking about? A petition is a very specific request that outlines what it is that you are thinking and feeling and wanting. And in the same token, after we've done our praying and after we understand how big God is and after we've done our worship, we then get to this petitioning where we begin to say, God, this is what I'm thinking. And the only way that we can do this is to deconstruct, is to deconstruct our stress, is to deconstruct 
our stress. How can we actually tell God what we want him to do if we've got no idea what our stress actually is or what it looks like, where we just feel it and we're moving with it and we're going with it and it sits on an emotional level, but we don't really have a cognitive breakdown of what it is. And this is a thing. This is a thing for all of us. This is a thing for all of us where often we are stressed, but we don't know why. Or we know, yeah, big picture why, but we haven't broken it down that we know every single detail of why we are stressed. And the scripture, in its incredible practicality, says to us, petition, which means to deconstruct. Pull it apart. Pull it apart. Get into the presence of God and pull it apart. Break it away. What are the elements that are going on for you? Why exactly are you stressed? List it and put it before God. That's what the scripture says. There's another reference there as well. Psalm 139.23, and you might say to me, but Susie, sometimes I'm so stressed out that I actually don't really know why I'm stressed out. Like, you know, if someone sat there and sort of quizzed me and went, well, why? And why else? And what about, what about? But by myself, it's really hard. Well, that's okay. Get that someone else involved. But what we can also do is what it suggests in Psalm 139. And verse 23, it says, search me, God. Search me, God. And know my heart, test me, and know my stressed and anxious thoughts. Do you know what happens when we sit with God and we ask him to search us? He opens us up and he gives us insight into what's going on on the inside of us. Search me, oh God. He knows my heart. He knows my stresses. He knows what's going on on the inside of me more than I know. And so I can actually just ask him to reveal it to me. Just sit and just say, search me, O oh God, test me, test me, pull me apart, deconstruct me, help me understand, so that I can then understand my own stresses. And on the next slide, I want you to write this down. Once you've deconstructed, then reconstruct. Then begin to decide, well, what is it I'm thinking? What's going on? Why is it going on? And which bits of that do I want and not want? It's much like deconstructing this sandwich, right? I go bread. I go cheese. No one's going to shake my hand after this. I go ham. I go lettuce. I go tomato. I go cucumber. I go carrot. And then I go, hmm, I don't like that cucumber. I'll just move that to the side. That tomato, that's definitely not of God. That lettuce, where on earth did I pick that up from? Why am I wearing that? And I throw that outside and then I put my sandwich closed and I've got a new sandwich. Deconstruct and then reconstruct. You see, sometimes we carry around or we put into our belly and into our heart and into our soul more than we even want to. Deconstruct and then reconstruct. So how do we reconstruct? And I've got some pointers here for you. Firstly, we need to guard our mind. We need to guard our mind. The next bit of the verse says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We could almost shift that a little bit and say, well, guard your emotions and your mind because we know when we're stressed, it affects us on an emotional level and it affects us on a mental level. 
And Paul knows, Paul knows that as soon as stress keeps, creeps into our mind, if we don't do anything with it, on the mind level, it creeps into our heart and into our emotions. And he knows the ravishing effects of that. And so you and I need to guard our mind. We need to watch what's going in, what's staying in. We need to re- deconstruct and then reconstruct in our mind. Many of you will know that in our mind, we have what are called neural pathways. Neural pathways are like a a busy highway. So our brain is just like a busy highway with a whole stack of roads and lanes and whatever. Our brain, over the course of our lifetime, programs these pathways. And so when we're faced with a situation, we don't really need to tell our brain what to do. It naturally plugs into default mode, goes down the neural pathway or the familiar highway and tells us how to behave. You see, Kelly shared her circumstances with a husband who was scary. She has a neural pathway now formed that in the event where she watches a TV show, hears a news report, sees another woman, hears a story or sees a man behaving aggressively or in a scary fashion, everything kicks in for her because that is a neural pathway that has been formed for her to say, alarm bells, scary, do something. Something needs to be done right here. Attention required. The same thing happens with us. The good news is that God created you and I with a capacity to reprogram our neural pathways. How do we do that? We need to actually deconstruct. We need to understand what the thoughts that are going on are firstly. When we understand them, we can then decide well, I don't want the tomato, I don't want the cucumber, I don't want the lettuce, but I'll stick with the cheese and the ham. And so we need to understand the thoughts that are going on in our mind. We need to say no to some, which requires discipline and effort and practice and time. And then we decide on a new and preferred neural pathway, a new and preferred way of thinking, and we input that regularly, intentionally, with discipline, with decisiveness, even when we're tired. And eventually science tells us, and you can YouTube this if you like, it's a very reliable source, and you can actually see how the brain grows new nerve endings when we input new information and then creates a new neural pathway. Excuse me. This week Peter had an interesting um, situation happen with his um, mobile phone. He's got an apple, and for some weeks it's been saying... um, we want to download the new, the new version, upgrade now or later. And so he's been going later, 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 later. Anyway, I think he's been doing later because he's read a news article that said that Apple has a software that they download onto your phone with your new upgrade that depletes your battery faster so that it lessens the life of your phone so that you can go and get a new one shortly. And so he kept saying, no, not now, not now, not now. And lo and behold... His phone just decided to upgrade all by itself. And so he woke up one morning with a new version because the upgrade just sort of did it. And then for a few days after that, he was saying to me, this is insane. Like I normally go a full day with a full battery, whereas it's midday and my phone's sitting at 40%. So we end up going to the Apple shop and like good Apple shops do, they sorted it. But my point is, what are you allowing to download in your brain without your permission that's depleting your battery. You see, you and I 
We're created by God to take charge over our brain, to control our brain, to say, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm the guard. I'm the guard at this door of my brain. You're not allowed in. And you know what? I let you thought in for a long period of time, but I'm standing my ground now and I'm re-owning territory and you are not allowed in. And so you know what? I've got a new thought that I need to replace you with and this is what it is. And so you're not welcome here anymore. And that is possible for you and I. And that is science. That is not God. That is not Bible. That is not anything. That is science. That is medicine. Imagine with the power of Jesus behind us to back what is scientifically possible. You and I have the capacity to do this. Do you actually also know that our brain does not understand the difference between real stress and hypothetical stress? Do you actually know that? Do you actually know that if you are in a situation and you go, oh my goodness, this is a disaster. And it might not actually be a disaster at all. But your brain has heard you say, this is a disaster. And it releases the hormones necessary necessary for you to physiologically manage what it defines as a disaster. When your body is filled with all of those excess hormones and adrenaline that you actually don't need because you're not in a disaster, you create a cycle of stress. And so then stress becomes more stress. And so you and I need to watch the words and the things that we say to ourselves. We need to actually go on the rector scale. How bad is this? And we need to just get a sober mind about things going on. And when we call it what it is, rather than the exaggerated, dramatized variation and version of what it is, our brain actually works with us. It participates with us. And so I believe that when the scripture says to us, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that Paul understands the possibility and the power of actually coming in under a peaceful mind and a peaceful heart that it is possible. And I think that it also suggests to, to us that there is a link between a peaceful heart and a peaceful mind and the ability to rationalise and think clearly and process well. And so what we want to do, church, is we want to get into that place where we worship first, then we put our petitions before God and then we learn to guard our mind. Be the gatekeeper over your mind because no one else is doing that job for you. You need to own that and I need to own that. The next one is this, look for solutions. Look for solutions. You know, when God puts a peace over your mind and your heart, like I said, I believe that we can think more clearly. When we have a supernatural peace that sits over our mind, when the clutter is gone, when the cloud is removed, when I let myself come into peace, I believe that I can think more clearly and process more clearly. And in that space, I can come up with better solutions for the stress that I'm in. I'm talking about huge, enormous stress and I'm talking about everyday stress. We need to get into the space of allowing peace to come in so that we can find solutions. What type of solutions? I don't know. 
Your solutions will be unique to you. Maybe your solution might be that you sit there and when you engage with people and when you engage with God and when you actually get a clear mind and when you let yourself shake off the rattled, that your solutions might, I don't know, involve seeing a counsellor and getting some professional help. Maybe getting a mentor. Maybe choosing to forgive someone. Maybe having a hard conversation. I don't know. I don't know what it might be for you. But try and come up with solutions because all too often we sit in the space of our stress and we go, I'm so stressed out, I'm so stressed out. What can you do about it? Well, I don't know, I'm so stressed out. We need to discipline and push past the discomfort so that we can begin to brainstorm solutions with God and with others and in our own, in our own space as well. Brainstorm solutions. What can you do to get out of this mess that you are in? What can you do? I'm very aware that sometimes we can do nothing and I'm getting to that. But sometimes there's stuff that we can do. And if there's nothing that we can do on a practical level, there's other stuff that we can do on a supernatural level and I'm getting there. And you and I know that sometimes some solutions that we need to embrace are putting boundaries in place, the ability to say no. And you know what happens when you put solutions in place? Suddenly, God has a way of bringing hope back into the picture because you go, oh, I thought I was a dead end, but actually that's a possibility. And I always say, sometimes when I feel really burdened and really heavy with something, and I always go, it feels like I'm carrying a TV out of Harvey Norman. <laughs> you know, like I'm just lugging this TV. And I, I'm, I'm very visual, so I think like this. But sometimes I think to myself, as soon as a glimpse of a solution enters into my realm, it feels like someone's turned up with a trolley and they've gone, hey, let me put that TV in a trolley for you. You know the feeling, right? You go, It's that. The next one, embrace healthy distractions. Embrace healthy distractions. I love that Kelly got up here despite her situation. And hey, let's just say that that's huge. Let's just agree that what she shared is massive. And yet she can stand up here and say in the midst of all of that, what I chose to do and what alleviates my stress is to input into other people's lives. How often do we hear people say, I'm in this stressful situation, I'm just going to give this away and that away and I take a break from this and take a break from that because I just have to like, you know, like I just, when, when I'm dealt with this and when this is sorted, then I'll sort of like, you know, pick up my responsibilities again and, you know, pick up my ministry again and pick up my whatever again and whatever again. Really? Do you actually know that that is a recipe for self-pity? Do you actually know that when we give everything away that involves putting into and investing in other people, that by default, we don't mean it, but by default, we end up going less of helping more of me, more of me, becomes more self-indulgent, becomes more self-pity, becomes more self-centered, 
Now, hear me right on this because I don't want anyone to come up at the end and go, hey, Susie, you didn't factor in the fact that I'm not doing very well at the moment and I really need rest. I understand that. But when rest becomes self-centeredness and it's all about me and what I'm going through and what's happening, that's the issue. Rest is okay. Rest is necessary and healthy and well and it's a stress management technique. But rest for a really, really, really long time and I'm not getting any better because the more I think about myself and my problem, I'm getting worse. That's what I'm talking about. Find healthy distractions, balanced distractions. Tune into who you are and what actually helps for you. Now, this is a really dumb point that I'm just about to make, right? But I notice that when I'm really stressed about something, me, my extroverted self, I don't want to socialize with people. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I just want to stay at home and I just want to do nothing. And that's what I feel like doing. And if I've got somewhere to go, I drag myself there. But you know what I realise? When I get there and I engage with people and I have a laugh and I have conversations and I don't have a job to do, but I'm just like just being me, I walk away feeling like my tank's been filled a little bit and my mind has had some respite from thinking about me, dwelling about me, it's all about me. And so I don't know what it is for you, but I have now tuned into the fact that I am an extrovert and people fill my tank. And so sometimes even if I don't feel like doing something, I will push so hard and get myself there because I know when I do that it just lessens the tension for me. Work out what it is for you and push past that. Athletes do that. Athletes do that. Children of God can do that too. Next one is live with the tension. I'm almost there. Live with the tension. And this is in those instances that I mentioned before where there is nothing you can do. You are between a rock and a hard place and there is nothing you can do. You can't get out of that marriage. You can't get a job promotion. Your kids won't listen to you. Your health is what it is. You cannot get out of this situation. I understand that. I'm not suggesting there's a solution for everything. And sometimes this is one of the best techniques that we can adopt and it's learning to live with the tension. It's learning to say, this is my situation. Yes, it's stressful. But I will not put my life on hold until it's repaired because there's a ripple effect and it gets worse. Learning to actually go, it is okay to do life and do life well. It is okay to love Jesus and love people and serve people and go out of my way. It is okay to go out and have a, have a, have a really lovely time with people and laugh while I'm broken on the inside. It is okay, it is okay, it is okay to simultaneously do that alongside being stressed. But sometimes we compartmentalise and we go, because I am stressed, I need to wait till this shifts and this moves because I'm not in the mood. No. Does that require discipline? Oh, yes, it does. But is it possible? Yes. And so people, we need to learn to live with the tension of our stress. Paul doesn't say it's okay, just be delusional about it, pretend like it doesn't exist. He acknowledges that there is such a thing as stress. There is. But we can do life simultaneously well alongside it. Does that make sense? This is huge and this can actually change the way we manage our stress. And then finally, the rest of the verse says this, surrender 
And surrender means supernatural peace. And the rest of the scripture says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which doesn't even make sense to you and doesn't even make sense to me, which wouldn't even seem possible because I am so overwhelmed right now. It wouldn't even seem possible that there would be any such thing that could take the edge off this. It's that. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, surrendering. Coming to a place where we realise, like Kelly said, where God says you need to trust one person and that's got to be me. Hand it over to me, I've got this. Hand it over to me, I've got this. And I don't know about you, but I know of myself and I meet enough people (laughs) to draw a little conclusion here. And it's this. That sometimes we develop a little OCD with our stress. We're like, oh, you're coming with me everywhere I go. I'm not letting you go. And it's like we just feel like we need to like mind it or manage it or look after it. or I don't know what it is. But it's just this human nature thing that goes on. Paul says, I've got another idea. While I'm sitting in a prison cell, I'm not sitting with the clouds. I'm in a prison cell, but I've got this thought. Surrender. Surrender, because when you surrender it, when you hand it over, when you say, God, it's yours. God, you're in charge. God, I trust you. God, it's not what I would, I would want to be going on right now, but I trust that you've got this. God, I want an answer today or tomorrow. Clearly, that's not your thinking, God, but I trust you. Now give me your supernatural peace. And I'm actually thinking that if Paul wrote this, he probably knew what it felt like. He knew it was a thing. And 1 Peter 5, 7 backs it and it says, casting all your care, your stress, your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you know, I've just been sitting with this thing of God's care and God's love and realising more and more That to actually get that requires a revelation. It's not information. It's a revelation. Because how do we as finite beings comprehend the infinite love and care of God? Is it even possible without a revelation? So I pray that we would get a revelation somehow supernaturally of what God's care looks like for you and for me. Put your hands up in this room if you've heard of a Moses soulfish, a species of fish called the Moses soulfish. A few of you. Okay. In a room this size, I think five hands went up. The Moses soulfish is the smallest species of fish in the sea. The Moses soulfish was designed in a way where... Um, in the face of danger, so if the Moses soul is swimming around in the sea and it is presented or it senses danger in the form of a shark, the smallest species of fish in the sea versus a shark has the ability to release a liquidy white substance from underneath its gills and that substance sort of makes its way through the water and through the ocean and as soon as it lands around the shark, it actually locks the jaws of a, jar, of a shark and so the shark ends up being jaw-locked like this. And so the smaller species of fish 
the Moses sole, can actually swim in and out of the, of the shark's jaw unharmed. Do you know how long this lasts for? Until the Moses sole fish has swam off into safety and far enough where the shark can't get it. So scientists make this, made this um, discovery and they were like, this is profound. If we replicate that substance within the Moses sole fish, we can inject divers with it or give, you know, form a way to, to get divers to actually press a button and release it and we can never ever have another diver be harmed by a shark again. Do you think they could reproduce that? No. Science has failed at reproducing that. You know why? Because that substance in the Moses sole fish was put there by God. And yet five people in this room have ever heard about a Moses sole fish. How much more do you think God cares for you and for me? How much more do you think that God has your stress and my stress sorted and in his hands? How much more? And so finally to close, how will you deconstruct, then reconstruct your stress? What do you need to do? What do you need to pull out and what do you need to put back in? What do you need to do? What do you need to do? What's God saying this morning? What can you do? Whether your stress sits at 10 or whether it sits at 1 or whether it sits at 5, this is for you and this is for me.